Greetings everyone and welcome to the Goodwill Meditation Group webinar. Today is Wednesday the 29th of July. I'm Dominic Dibble, I'm joining you from the London office of Walker Will and today I'm happy to say that uh, my colleague in New York, Michael Galloway, we will be sharing with us some thoughts on the universal religious spirit, which relates to what Alice Bailey refers to as the problem of the churches. And before we do that, um, the goodwill, we're going to focus on what we're here to do, which is to use the goodwill meditation. And the goodwill meditation group it's a worldwide group of people, as many of you know, who link up each Wednesday at noon to meditate on goodwill. The group aims to stimulate and strengthen the goodwill that is expressed by humanity as a whole. I just want to do a quick sound check, Michael. Can you hear me? Because someone has said they can't hear me. Yeah, Dominic, I can hear you fine. So... I'll message Janet and see if I can help her with her sound. Okay, thanks. Now, the probably, as you also know, this webinar meets the last Wednesday of each month and it provides a platform for people to come together to use the Goodwill Meditation and to discuss our work and the work of World Goodwill and how it relates to good, Goodwill. Goodwill is love in action and exists in all human relationships that carry a note of loving intention. It's a positive, it's a dynamic energy, and it can be consciously used for the betterment of humanity and the planet. It is in essence the name we give to the potent energy of divine will as it is expressed through human relationship. This powerful energy overcomes all separating forces and has the potential to transform all aspects of our societies and the earth itself. Goodwill redeems, it unifies, and it reveals the essential goodness underlying all phenomena. The existence of goodwill is evidence of the link between humanity the spiritual hierarchy, and God. So now we're going to move into our meditation. Um, and I think Michael's going to start sharing the screen, his screen now so that we see the meditation on our screens. Thanks, Michael. <clears throat> Take a moment to pause and still our thoughts, unite, being aware that we're uniting with hundreds, thousands of people around the planet who are connecting with us subjectively in this service work.
now reflect upon the fact of relationship. You're related to your family, to your community, to your nation, to the whole world of nations. and to the one humanity made up of all races and nations. We use the mantra of unification The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all 
people love. Now reflect for a moment upon your own and humanity's relationship with all those beings who dwell in the higher realms of mind and heart, spoken of by many names, the spiritual hierarchy of saints, of rishis, of bodhisattvas and masters, which all the world's religious groupings and spiritual groupings honour. And now imagine that you're standing together with all those who are focusing on this goodwill meditation within the center of the spiritual hierarchy, immersed in the consciousness of the heart of love. This heart of love has many names, the Christ, Maitreya, the Imamadi, the Kalki Avatar, and other names from other faiths and beliefs. as we maintain that high point of contact, let the thoughts reach out to include all people in whom the energy of goodwill is active.
we use the affirmation in the center of all love i stand from that center i the soul will outward move from that center i the one who serves will work may the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart through my group and throughout the world Visualize the energy of love flowing from the hierarchy through all people of goodwill into the hearts and minds of all members of the human family, infusing them with goodwill and creating loving and harmonious human relationships. We meditate on ways of spreading goodwill, creating right human relationships and restoring true peace on earth.
realize that you're helping to build a channel between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity through which the energy of goodwill may flow, uniting humanity, solving its problems, healing all differences and cleavages. in thought with people of goodwill all over the world. Use the great invocation. We say it with deliberation and full commitment to its meaning, knowing that we are radiating its potent energies to humanity. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race. Let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh.
Thank you, everyone, for your participation. And before, before we move into hearing what uh, Michael has to say about the universal religious spirit, um, I'd just like to highlight another initiative coming up soon that people of goodwill may wish to connect with. This is a continuation of the wonderful Global Silent Minute, which has been carried forward by Dot Maver, Wendy Thompson, and their co-workers in Sydney Goodwill. Um, every year in Japan, at the time of the dropping of the atom bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there is a solemn observance of a minute of silence. And the Global Silent Minute is linking up this year with its observance. They write, we recognize the power of silence as action and the tremendous opportunity for a healing minute of silence. We encourage everyone to participate subjectively or via social media and please share the invitation widely throughout your networks. And the, the times and dates for participation are, <clears throat> and there's two, two, well, there's actually four dates as it turns out. Um, the Hiroshima one uh, on the 6th of August, the time is 8.15 a.m. Tokyo, 9.15 a.m. Sydney, 12.15 a.m which is quarter past midnight, London, and 1.15 a.m. Geneva. But that's the 6th of August. But for New York, that's on the 5th of August at 7.15 p.m. time. Okay? And now for Nagasaki, it's the 9th of August at 10.58 a.m. Tokyo, 11.58 a.m. Sydney, uh, 2.58 a.m. London, and 3.58 a.m. Geneva on the 9th of August. And on the 8th of August, it's 9.58 p.m. New York. And somebody's asked us to write those in the chat. I will do so. Um, once Michael has started, I'll put it in the chat. And further information, including a link to a live online observance, is available on the Facebook page of Global Silent Minute. So that's uh, another beautiful thing we can connect with. And now I'd like to invite Michael to spotlight himself and give us some thoughts on, give us some thoughts to chew on that we can all start to think about and ponder and maybe 
discuss later on the universal religious spirit. Michael? Hi, Dominic. Thank you. Thank you so much for the, um, for the introduction and for the meditation. It was really, really lighted, really, um, really potent. So thank you. Um, yeah, so as Dominic said, today we are going to um, continue our discussion of the problems of humanity, and the theme is the universal religious spirit. Um, I like this term, universal religious spirit, which, you know, the Tibetan and Alice Bailey referred to as the problem of the churches. Um, universal religious spirit, though, for me, really implies um, three things. First, it's, 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 it includes the term religious, which, um, which indicates that religion itself is really necessary. There's so many people who think, you know, religion may be outdated, that the time for religion has passed. Um, but I think all spiritual truth needs some sort of form, needs some sort of doctrine. Um, and so I think the, the focus should be on more enlightened doctrines. The word universal um, to me means it originates from some, some source, some universal source that's the same for all, all religions in the world. Um, the word spirit, of course, for me, my opinion, relates to a God eminent as well as God transcendent. And so the term universal religious spirit, I think talking about it in those terms is going to be a really good way to frame this conversation. Um, so it, we'll, we'll try to find a good balance between talking about it in terms of, you know, the, the many examples there are in the world today of um, the expression and the growth of this universal religious spirit. Um, but I also want to talk, uh, touch on briefly those things which hinder its expression, uh, which is mainly, you know, the doctrines, the ideologies um, of the Piscean era. So we will, after um, this hopefully brief presentation, we're gonna have some group discussion. And so I know a lot of you have a lot of ideas and thoughts about this topic. So please jot those down if you have any that come into your mind and we will have a discussion um, after this brief presentation is through. Um, so one more disclaimer before we get started. And that's that whenever we talk about any of these problems of humanity, it's really important to maintain the attitude or the perspective of the observer. And as souls, we have to remember, we are neither really pessimists or optimists. It's kind of the definition of dispassion, one of the qualities of the soul. But we have to see both the facts of the manifested world. We have to see the ideal as it exists on the higher planes of mind. Um, and we also importantly have to see the underlying trends, which indicate some sort of evolutionary direction. You know, and this isn't always the popular narrative about what things are. So we have to really um, see, see really the middle way, the way between the pairs of opposites, because often the popular narrative, you know, is dual. There's one that's on this side and one that's on this side. Um, and we have to see that, that way in the middle. So um, the universal religious spirit, um, as I mentioned briefly earlier, is founded on the truth that God transcendent exists as God imminent within every human heart. Um, and this spirit necessarily affirms that God transcendent, sort of that God that's popularized 
in the Piscean and the ancient scriptures um, can only really be born on earth through the recognition and expression of that God which is hidden within humanity, which humanity itself veils. And since before the dawn of humankind, there has always been those who have safeguarded this universal and this timeless truth. And it's important to really recognize the fact that all these religions, both dead and living of the East, of the West, they have all sequentially worked to unveil and reveal this truth to a gradually evolving humanity. This has led to many profound successes. Um, if you look at history until very recently, relatively recently, the last few hundred years, religious institutions were solely responsible, really this is like before the enlightenment, religious institutions were almost solely responsible for the spiritual and moral evolution of societies, as well as their psychological and even their intellectual development. Religions have historically been centers of academic research, of learning, and of course, centers also of goodwill. Today, humanity has arrived at a state of very pronounced um, intellectual development, and this has resulted in a clear distinction between that which is mystical and religious, and that which is scientific and rational. Um, though you could rightly say that this duality is beginning today to gradually be resolved, um, and that this duality really reaches apex during the last century, during the 20th century. Um, but this state of duality is, for a variety of reasons, a very necessary development. Um, you could say, though, that the um, sort of the limitations of the religious institutions and their shortcomings and their ability to keep up with the rapidly developing mental polarization of humanity has really contributed to a deepening of this duality. Church doctrines, as many of us recognize, have not been able to keep up um, with the fact that humanity is increasingly beginning to think for itself, um, and that this unfolding religious spirit, that part of it which is now ready to be revealed, demands that individuals think for themselves and be sensitive to the innate divinity which is within themselves, which is within other people, and which really is within all forms in the manifested world. Um, as I also mentioned, the universal religious spirit is founded on the truth that all religions have a common origin, and all of those who founded these religions are all agents of one eternal purpose. They're all part of one um, inner group, you could say. They are custodians of this purpose, and this purpose gradually unfolds in time and space. This is really sort of the uh, the noumenon of revelation itself. And though there are um, countless individuals working within the field of religion who recognize this, um, many, many of the ideologies and the major theologies, the major doctrines, they really remain resistant to at least outwardly acknowledging this sort of universal origin. Um, we have churches, synagogues, mosques, and a variety of other religious institutions across the world. They exist in practically every city on earth. And these houses of worship um, are no doubt often 
points of light within their communities. They are centers of goodwill. They are composed of people with loving hearts, understanding, and intelligent minds. But their radiance is limited to the extent that doctrine, that is church doctrine, retains the materialistic and parochial um, interpretation of scripture. Um, these interpretations, as, as we all recognize, many of us recognize, these are the interpretations which say, you know, this is the way of the truth and there are none others. Or maybe, you know, today, okay, well, there are some others, but really this one's the correct one, you know, or this is really the only one, the only true one. Um, you know, or they say only through this, this theology, you know, through our theology, through our doctrine, can one truly be saved or can enlightenment be found, you know, even if they advocate for goodwill towards people of other religious sects, of other maybe moral persuasions, um, other people that think differently than they do, if there is this, you know, this innate doctrine, this innate theology um, that exists apart from the people in these institutions, that can really limit the expression of the true universal religious spirit. Um, there is a statement, I believe it's by Alice Bailey or the Tibetan, it says, no man has ever been saved by theology, but by the living Christ. And I think this is a very um, appropriate um, observation, a very appropriate quote, um, but only really when you understand that Christ must be understood not as Christ as a theologian, not as Christ of the Christian religion, um, but Christ as the soul which resides in every human heart, really the principle of relationship itself. And when you conceive of God or as Christ um, as um, living, as imminent and as, and as facts, um, and when you, when you assume that individual, individuals are free to think for themselves, um, then you can really unify intelligence. You can unify re reason and science, and none of these are at odds with the true religious spirit. So as many of us are aware, there are members of the new group of world servers working in the field of religion, and they are responsible for laying the foundation for this spirit, for giving it um, impulse and expression and, um, and power. And there are many examples of this, some of which are, and uh, you can always look these up or we can discuss them more in depth if people would like to. Um, there is, first of all, the Centering Prayer Movement. Um, there is the important role played by the World Council of Churches. There's the role of mindfulness generally, which is, uh, you know, rooted in Eastern thought, is increasingly playing in uh, Christianity. There's, of course, many interfaith activities occurring all over the world. Um, interestingly, the new monasticism movement um, is a movement which promotes the integration of a deeper sort of inner life, which is historically characteristic of monastic orders, but they integrate this sort of deep spiritual, mystical um, life with an outer life of human living and public service. So it's really a way of, um, I guess, integrating the deeply spiritual and also the very mundane, living really on what we in uh, the Alice Bailey tradition call the vertical and the horizontal arms of the cross. Of the, of the cross. Um, these are just a few examples. There are, of course, many in every religion across the world. Some people may have some of those to share. Um, 
there have also been some incremental changes in theology um, itself, such as changes to the Episcopalian Book of Common Prayer, which actually incorporated more inclusive language for God quite recently. Um, and one can imagine, um, you know, in the theological schools across the world, as our culture rapidly changes, as the new generation is thinking in terms of the one life, and is becoming increasingly free of the limitations of the Piscean thinking, that there are going to be these discussions in you know, academic theological journals um, across all different religious traditions, and this sort of constructive um, you know, criticism of the past and sort of forging the way into the future is today being worked out. Importantly, there are also initiatives which are not really connected to any religious tradition specifically, but which are upholding the universal religious spirit. Um, there are numerous groups that are meeting today during the times of the new and full moons in solidarity um, with all groups that work for the furthering of the, the plan of light and love, you could say, mediating light and love and spiritual power in human consciousness. Um, there are also initiatives such as the Global Silent Minute, which really focus on specific times for global healing and are becoming more common. And these groups are really uniting people from all around the world, utilizing the power of technology, of the sort of um, etheric web, the underlying interconnectedness of, of, of all of us um, to really unite our hearts and our minds towards healing our planet. And what this really indicates is that there is a bottom-up transformation of religious and spiritual culture. As many of us recognize, this is happening in all sectors um, of human living today, this sort of bottom-up transformation, what we call grassroots, often in the political sphere. Um, and I think this really bottom-up transformation indicates that inner changes are taking place. Changes in consciousness always swell up from within the hearts and minds of those who are responsive to these new ideals. And these interchanges are preceding what will soon be major outer changes. These, ma these major outer changes um, are major, major overhauls to doctrine at the institutional level, which we can imagine are going to happen as a result of this sort of mass demand for change and this mass demand for new ways of thinking. So to shift gears a little bit, I'm just going to talk briefly about some of the things that um, Ellis Bailey and the Tibetans bring up um, in their writings. They say that there are three spiritual facts which um, they state will eventually transform religious doctrine writ large. They are, first of all, the fact of God imminent and transcendent. Two is the fact of the immortality of the human soul. And three is the fact of the spiritual hierarchy, no matter by what name that group may be called. And this third fact, the fact of the spiritual hierarchy, is I think perhaps the least understood. And so I'm just going to briefly define what that is. The spiritual hierarchy in the theosophical tradition is viewed as a planetary center, sort of like the chakras of the body. The planetary life itself has these great spiritual centers, which are often related to the kingdoms in nature. So you could say the spiritual hierarchy is like a kingdom in nature, just like humanity is also a kingdom in nature. 
and it is composed of all those individuals from the human family who have sought and found enlightenment upon our planet. Its members are known as saints, angels, bodhisattvas, rishis, by all of the world religions, and they really embody the heart of our planetary life. They embody that principle of love. They are the organ of divine love, and they are the place from which goodwill originates. Um, they are also, you could say, um, the focus or the source of consciousness itself upon our planet. Um, and really through a strengthening of the relationship between hierarchy and humanity, between these two great centers, we strengthen the relationship between love and its expression on earth. Um, and one of the ways we strengthen this relationship is through what is called the, the science of invocation and evocation. And this technique is a, um, a technique which is akin to prayer. It's similar to prayer. And it works to strengthen this relationship between hierarchy, which exists in a sort of formless or sort of subjective state, and humanity, which we know is manifested in the um, physical, emotional, and uh, concrete mental worlds. As humanity becomes increasingly invocative of the spiritual worlds, um, the potencies of the spiritual hierarchy, the powers of pure goodness, of love, and the powers which, um, for instance, in the Christian religion, Christ represented to us so perfectly, um, are evoked, which aid humanity in its spiritual evolution. Um, and we could talk more about invocation a bit later, um, if you guys would like. Um, so the question now is, you know, how do we help to bring about this universal religious spirit? And I would say one way is to emphasize always the freedom of the human soul and to leave others free to interpret God as they see fit. We um, must do all we can to ensure that we free ourselves from the limitations of doctrine, and the limitations of thinking um, in one specific way, no matter how enlightened um, that doctrine may be, um, it becomes a prison when we allow it to condition um, our free will and to limit the way we think. Um, we must instead direct our efforts towards contacting that voice of the silence which resides within our hearts. It's always important to remember that the true self, the soul exists above the realm of doctrine. Um, to contact that self requires us to think differently, to think differently than we have in the past, to think differently than, um, than humanity tends to think today and the way that humanity tends to think or has thought in the past. Um, it's important to remember that though others can guide us and assist us on this way, and of course that's the point of religion itself is to guide us, point the way um, you know, towards those higher realms. Um, there is no true spiritual knowledge which exists outside of this self. And so it's important to do all we can to be examples, to point the way, um, but also to, 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 um, to maintain the attitude of the observer, to truly really think in terms of the one life, 
to think, truly think in terms of the one humanity, to see between, between the pairs of opposites, um, and, to set, and to accept new paradigms as they emerge, even if these new paradigms seem maybe in, you know, in, imperfect, or, um, or perhaps maybe they conflict with the way we've always thought before, they conflict with the paradigms of the past. It's important, I think, to recognize that we often do not know what we don't know, and therefore we always have to be humble. Humble before that which is emergent, that which is new, and to know that the future is revealing something different than what we have known in the past, and even different from what surrounds us today. And if we attempt to conceive of um, the new and the emergent, um, and that which we are in process of building, um, through the lens of our current doctrines, they're going to continue to be limited. Um, and we won't really be able to build the kind of world that we need to. So I think that's, um, I think it's about time to open it up to um, the audience. If anybody has anything to add, um, anything they'd like to share, even if it's not related specifically to what I just spoke about, please uh, raise your hand. Um, there should be a raise hand somewhere on your toolbar. You may have to hit the more button and we will um, participants, isn't there. it now? Isn't it the participants list? Oh yeah, yeah, you can go to your participants box and then you click the dot 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 and then uh, there should be a raise hand button. Well, I'm, I'm just going to share some questions just now. I'm going to share my screen. Um, so that oh yeah I, I can i have it on a powerpoint dominic if you want me to share it well if, if you could for some reason it's not letting me do it <laughs> okay um let's see that's maybe because I was... I, my mouse isn't working one second please <laughs> technology don't you just love it uh here we go i think i think it'll let me do it now oh you've done it okay. yeah I got it. okay great and just just um while while we're looking at those questions, pondering them, um, I just thought I'd mention that somebody put left a file in the chat and then just left the meeting. I wouldn't download the file um, if I were you, because I, I would. You know, there's no no telling what's the contents of what are, and it seems a bit weird to just leave a file sitting there. Okay, so just just in case anyone's tempted. <laughs> Um, I would advise against it. But now we can have a, a quick look at these um, questions and ponder them. And, and the, other, the other alternative to um, raising your hand is also to include something in the chat if you'd like to include a question or a comment or a reflection uh, in the chat. <clears throat> We'll be happy to respond to it, to read it out. Mm -hmm. So let, let's just think of, let's ponder the first question. What, what role is goodwill playing in bringing the universal religious spirit to birth? How does goodwill facilitate this process that Michael has, has described so comprehensively, beautifully? How, how does it happen? Does anyone have any thoughts? I mean, 
my first initial thing um is the, is the very simple point because goodwill as we know although it's a very potent and important spiritual energy it's also a very simple one and it, it, it can express itself very simply in just people of different faiths being prepared to meet each other and to talk about their responses to world issues and in that way it's a kind of lubricant to interfaith and transfaith dialogue and discussion of which there are many initiatives happening mm -hmm. now and perhaps some people are, are uh, involved in those um, who might want to talk about that sort of thing um, I know for example the um, there's an interesting initiative at the UN where there's a spiritual caucus which which meets did you have you had much contact with that Michael or is that something yeah. that's but you have yeah the 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 trust here is the part as a member of the spiritual caucus and so uh, we host meetings sometimes in our offices and um, I've attended a few times yeah it's it's a great group of uh, people that are uh, organizations or spiritual organizations that are affiliated with the UN they just meet, I believe it's um, once a month, perhaps more often, mm -hmm. and they, uh, they just meditate and to, support the, uh, to support the United Nations. It's just a silent prayer. It's a way to sort of to, to, bring, to bring together and to, to, bur to uh, bridge across, you know, different, because uh, different, everybody has different ways of meditating, so it's a Using mm -hmm. the silence as a way to bridge across those divides, you know, silence is something that's very universal. So, uh, yeah, and Steve put a chat here, spiritualcaucusun.org, where there's mm -hmm. more information about that. Yes, I think that's probably something that um, many people who are who are connecting will have experienced that that the they will have gone to meetings where there are people of different faiths or different spiritual traditions. And finding a way to meditate together is is an interesting dialogue in itself. Mm -hmm. the, and, and that, well, the, 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 there's the very simple again. There's the very simple um, Agni Yoga, saying "By Thy God," um, which is not it's not specific to religion, but it's it's certainly something that is very interesting to to focus on in the context of religion. That one talks to the other person in terms of their understanding of divinity and, and attempting to find your way into a space where you can share thoughts mm. and share perspectives there's actually quite a few comments in the chat oh and there's three hands up as well so we better get going with the hands um catherine cruz i'm going to unmute you thank you um i i wanted to uh, bring to, to mind something that was in the most recent beacon that addresses the confluence of religion and science uh, as they become more united as the new energies come in. And this is an article that's really based on physics, uh, the changing perception of time, but it, it ends with 
and and he builds the 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 substance the reason for this in in physics consciously choose as we consciously choose to enter the events in every moment through our thoughts and our actions we are all its co-creators on all levels from the subatomic to the infinite from the mundane to the inconceivable and so i think that really addresses from that scientific level how as we build goodwill in our own hearts and minds we actually are contributing to the grounding of the new religious spirit uh, here through humanity so i thank you very much for this wonderful conversation thank you Catherine. um michael do you have anything you want to add or no let's just go to the next hand raise so we can get some more some more uh, sharing in here i think okay uh, the next hand is katja kaufman uh um, oh try to unmute her there we go katja yeah can you hear me hello yes yes we can hear you yes yes um no the topic brings to mind um the goodwill which is uh tibetan says like the mo the, the truest expression of love that is accessible to us at some point he says that right mm -hmm. um so if you if you go by love their neighbor <clears throat> it's one of the two principal i don't know laws so just really loving mm -hmm. and um loving as in right human relationship which is i believe the, the new religion that's mm -hmm. coming right mm -hmm. and um and if we as esotericists will you know ponder on that and uh, meditate those issues i think we might steer clear from uh, the quarrel of religious traditions mm -hmm. and shift this whole uh, realm into the essence of each religion mm -hmm. which in the end is the right human relationship and the right relationship between the high and the low right so i think that um, it is because as, as also i was listening to beautiful words but at the same time there were like all of a sudden there was a a religious words you know mm -hmm. that uh, came to mind as well so how would how do we navigate that you know to just really put the <clears throat> put the path around it you know and above it mm -hmm. okay so thank you mm -hmm. thanks Katya. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah I, yeah i, I kind of mentioned this earlier but i really think I think you know a lot of the problem with the religion is the duality and that the fact that the intellectual development of humanity hasn't kept up with the, with the with the do, the dogma or the doctrine this idea that people have to follow some sort of you know guidelines hundreds and hundreds of years old um, but I think that intellectual development is actually saving grace because if that's increasingly uh, supported and cultivated then people will actually be able to think above um, separation. You know, be able to think in synthetic terms instead of just thinking in terms of, of separative terms. So, thank you, Katya. 
I'm going to go to Deborah McClafferty. Oops, um, just trying to unmute her. Deborah. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I wanted to say that I think that demonstrating goodwill and acting with tolerance allows the sharing of living truth, which seems essential to universal religious spirit being present. Thank you. Thanks, Deborah. Living truth. I think that that reminds me. It, it was a. Um, Krishnamurti was a, was his idea not living in truth. I think. Yes. The truth is a pathless land, <laughs> which <Yeah>. again <laughs> takes us away from dogmas and just prescribed paths. Um, thank you, Deborah. Um, Sam Jones. I'm just trying to unmute you there. It's not working. There we go. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hello. Thank you so much. How inspiring. Um, it reminds me of um, a saying I heard from Anthony DeMilo, I think it was. He said, you know, we have a, a few perspectives, but God has all perspectives. Mm -hmm. And that sort of reminds me that... Um, often we don't actually ask other people what their perception of what they think God is and religion is. So it's about asking more, more questions so we can have a better understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Questions are always good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think DK said as well, you know, use everything as a hypothesis. So. But yes, thank you ever so much. Very inspiring. Thank you, Sam. Okay, uh, we're going to Kit Flourish now. Oh, why will it not unmute? <laughs> it's very annoying. Uh, there we go. Oh, that's, uh, yes, Kit Turn here. That that was when I was, uh, that was my login for another. Oh, I see. But that's fine. That's um, all going I, I was uh, just going to I wanted to say how when we think of um, different religions and how different levels are expressed in them and and obviously in our planet at this time are I'm sorry are people who are at um, where those religions are resonant different people are at different levels. So the different expressions of religion will be resonant for them. And so it's um, sort of how we keep uh, encouraging the healthy expressions at different levels, rather than sort of saying, having an attitude of, oh, at those other or more doctrine or, or whatever levels, um, it's just bad. And also, I just want to pay tribute because here in the United States, oh, um, such a wonderful teacher example and everything who just um, died recently was uh, a member of our Congress named John Robert Lewis, who probably he would say he is deeply, deeply connected, oriented, you know, in the church in the Christian church, but 
he but he himself and those he was working with were just expressions of love you know so even how people might identify it's again looking to oh what are they ex also ex expressing and if anyone i'll put his name in the chat box just in case anyone's totally unfamiliar with him because he he was such um a beautiful person and example walking on this earth with us Thank you. And I think it's, it's, you make a very good point when you talk about the fact that because there are many different layers or levels of spiritual experience, that, that there are many different religious homes, if you like, for all those different levels of experience. And, and it, as you say, that nurturing the positive side of, of, every, of every religion and, and allowing allowing humanity to grow allowing allowing for the process of spiritual evolution within religious traditions and beyond religious traditions is is i think the sort of thing that we should be encouraging thank you kit uh, there's a couple more hands um there's wendy boyd um hello there, wendy? <coughs> hi wendy hi there um yeah, I don't want to take it off track, but what I've been thinking about a lot is the role that religion plays and whether it's fulfilling its responsibilities and how it's in many ways still, um, although we're making progress, it's blocking the process as well. And I think it's important to be aware of that. And to give an example, I've just read a wonderful book called Last Rites, written by um, the founder of Dignity in Dying. So that's obviously um, a campaign for a more compassionate way of dying. And relating this back to the meditation, our focus has been on relationships and certainly we all have a relationship with death and dying and will one day face that in the meantime there's scores of people that are going through really violent deaths and all because in in many respects religion is standing in the way of doctors being able to assist the dying process, um, assisted dying rather than assisted suicide, that is. And so it it appears to be that there's a lot of a lot of this comes from a lot of the objections that is comes from the innate religious um, quality that people have, and that's a good thing, but it's also can be a bad thing um so it's really um about that i won't go on anymore but i think you've got the gist of what i'm trying to say and i think that it's important that um religion <clears throat> the spiritual aspect and the practical aspects come together which is 
what I suppose should be happening in, in the, as the seventh ray is coming in. Um, excuse me, I'm not very well, so I'm going to stop now because I didn't realise I can't speak properly. I can't, my voice is going, so thank you. Lovely. Thank you, thank you, Wendy. Do you have any thoughts, Michael? Um, I do have a thought. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to take up too much time. But Wendy, that was really, uh, really, really well expressed. Those of it, those the those who have read um, the chapter in the Tibetans' book called "The Problem Problems of Humanity" um, on the problem of the churches will know that he is very, very critical of um, religion, churchianity. I think. Um, he kind of refers to it as, and uh, you know, there's, I think you know, that was written in the early 20th century. So perhaps it was more warranted then, but I think it's still warranted now. Wendy, you gave an excellent example. Um, he speaks about a universal, uh, a, a world religion, basically a universal religion um, that I think a lot of people upon initially hearing about that idea, being introduced to that idea would be really resistant to some idea that, uh, everybody despite their place upon the path, despite their racial, national, um, hereditary um, disposition would have to be under the banner of one kind of global entity. Um, but I think that's a kind of misunderstanding of what this new universal religion will be. I think it's gonna afford for people to do, um, for all, all different types of religions to exist and there, but the thing is, they'll be united by certain principles that will allow for right relationship. And so, like you said, Wendy, the sort of people getting in the way of, of, of dignity, of dignified dying, like that kind of thing isn't really compatible with a universal religious spirit. Um, but having separate religions is. So that's just the only thought I wanted to share. Thank you. I think also just adding on to that, that, that um, the, the issue of resistance to um, assisted dying might be resolved to some degree when the, the doctrine of reincarnation or the idea of reincarnation, rather than calling it the doctrine, but the, the idea of reincarnation becomes more universally acceptable, which I think is tends to be the case, at least in, in the more forward-thinking um, strands of religious thought i think at the moment so perhaps that will help um there's one other hand and i think maybe that will have to be the last one since we're we're, we're getting quite we've, we're well past there already yeah. but but uh we'll give george knox the chance to speak you've been very patient george thank you and good afternoon am i on or do i need to push my button no you're fine we can hear you oh yeah, uh, my observation really has to do with um, what I'll call images that lead to perceptions that could be somewhat divisive. For example, the choice of the term religion in connection with this effort to obtain unity uh, could operate as a deterrent for those people who associate religion with dogma. Mm -hmm. And the extent to which there are differences, I believe, create breaches that require some ordinary bridging. Now, the, the, the question is whether this bridging can take place in the context of this movement from what we call goodwill to the movement that we call will to good, 
where we go far, far deeper in our ability, capacity, will, and ability, and, and, and the reality of connecting at this heartfelt level, at such a deeper level than the mere idea of religion be, be, become superficial to the other connection that can be made. So the question is, can it be done telepathically? And do those who connect in that realm become aware of each other's existence? Mm -hmm. Thank you, George. I think those are excellent questions to ponder. And I think it's also a really good note to end on as well. I, I agree, and I, th I think the the what you say about the term religion and religious as being a possible obstacle to some people that is one of the things we're going, that the new age or the new or the Aquarian age is going to have to help us resolve. Um, but uh, yes, we're, 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 I mean, there's lots of interesting things in the chat as well, which we never even got around to talking about. We'd, we only got, we only really addressed the first question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but, like people can read the chat on their own, so. That's true, that's true. Um, but thank you everyone for your participation. And um, let me just remind myself what we normally see in closing. <laughs> Just a quick reminder before we go of the Global Silent Minute Corporation. Um, and I, I noticed that Dot put a link to um, their website in the chat as well. Um, and we'll be back next month um, with some other thoughts. Um, I'm not sure yet exactly what they'll be about. They probably will be connected in some way with the problems of humanity and goodwill, but we haven't quite crystallised that yet. And they may also be connecting with the theme for the World of Will seminar, which we are slowly precipitating. But thank you all again, and thank you especially to Michael for his brilliant thoughts, which have stimulated this lovely discussion. And I think, can we just close perhaps by sounding the mantra of the new group of world servers? <clears throat> uh, Michael, do you want to do that? Sure. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May we fulfill our part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech.
Thank you, everybody. Thank you.